podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Hello, welcome to another Touchy Gouda's podcast. Uh, my name is Lewis. I'm joined by uh, Nigerian Dan. How you doing, Dan? Yeah, all good, man. All good. All good. And, and you know what? We've got a very special guest today. I'm not Thank too you. sure what I call you, Eduardo, because you're like a bit of an anomaly, right? You're like this Twitter cult hero um, <laughs> who has just like taken Arsenal Twitter by storm. And uh, yeah, we're very, very happy to have you on the pod. Eduardo Hagen, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, people. Thank you for having me. It's a true pleasure. Sorry for not making it the last time, but here we are. No problem, man. I know I've been on your case trying to get you on the podcast for, for a while now. And um, yeah, no, it's just good to have you on, man, because I think we all appreciate those updates. Like, I know a lot of us have got your tweets on notifications and stuff like that. Whenever Eduardo <laughs> tweet, especially during the ESL stuff, um, you were right on the money with, uh, right on the ball with a lot of your tweets and stuff. So I guess we could just start with that, right? Is I know you were you were um, you were giving your uh, you know all the news updates and stuff like that. But what was your actual opinion on the, the Super League, especially as someone like you know you you grew up in Miami and now you're you're in Chile? Like how does um, how how do you view the Super League as like a fan who isn't like local to Arsenal and like an international fan? Of course. Let's begin by saying that first, you can't do a project without sporting merit because it's unfair for other teams to not be able to get there. That's the first thing. And although you always wonder to yourself, oh, how would Arsenal be with 350 million euros per year where we could be rich and fight? But really, we are missing the point, which is having a fair game, which I, which I think it was fine and great by the fans to unite against this but i think we should not be fooled by uefa and fifa that they're the good guys and they stick by the fans because that's not like that we have to be we have to be critical in this position 
No, 100%. I think it, it it was that kind of situation where you're stuck between a rock and a hard place a little bit because I think none of us, I mean, maybe there's a few of us who, you know, re- really appreciate UEFA and the Champions League and and things like that. But I think we can all appreciate UEFA, FIFA, all these corporations, they're hugely corrupted, right? And I think we found ourselves in a position of, all right, we either stick with the, the the devil that we do know or or we go with like this kind of venture into the unknown, which could have major ramifications for how we see football uh, pan out in the next decade to come. Um, Dan, I'll bring you in in the conversation. Uh, what was your initial thoughts on the ESL and I know you you were a little bit more excited about it than uh, you know the average Arsenal fan. Yeah, I think I think for me, um, I was never really um, taken that it was ever going to come in, which is why I, I think I was a bit less, um, I guess, uh, out there with sort of my, my my feelings about being against it and whatnot. Because I think, as as Eduardo said without any sort of sporting merit, them enshrining themselves in this competition, I couldn't ever see that actually coming into play. Um, I don't think that would ever be accepted by, um, obviously, the fans and then even just other football teams. So as much as these big clubs would like to think that, you know, the, the football world revolves around them, they are just 12 of, you know, several other football teams um, around the world, you know. So I think that if they... Um, try to push it through. I don't think it was ever going to really be possible. But I do. I did like the idea of of, of of a Super League. I did like the idea of you know Arsenal playing um, the Madrids, the Barcelonas, the uh, maybe not Bayern Munich or PSG, but some of these other clubs a bit more regularly. Um, and and that did excite me, you know, especially when you hear that there's uh, there's big money on the table, so maybe we can get some of these uh, signings that we've been pining for. I know Eduardo loves a, loves a new signing, you know, so um, I, I was definitely, <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely um, excited by that by that prospect. But you know, um, it is what it is, and I think the way that it was um, proposed, some of the suggestions about it was never really going to happen. I didn't really think that it was ever going to happen, so I didn't really get too up in arms um, about it. No, definitely. Um, in regards to um, the ESL's future, obviously, we had this massive dramatic turnaround, right, Eduardo, where every everything seemed to be, like, um, confirmed, you know, Florentino Perez was coming out talking about how these contracts are watertight. No one can leave. Like, it's everything's done. You have saved Real Madrid Football Club. You have saved all these massive European football clubs. This is going to be the best thing since sliced bread. And then, boom, out of nowhere, we had this collapse. I'm not too sure what... I'm, the, the clubs are saying, obviously, it stemmed from fan outrage. And, you know, like uh, we saw all the protests from Chelsea, which is just hilarious in itself that Chelsea fans are, you know, protested these kind of things when they had this rich Russian oligarch come in and essentially save their club from financial ruin. um, Because Chelsea were probably before Roman came in, probably a matter of days before they went into administration. Um, So I guess my question to you, Eduardo, is where do you still see a future for the ESL? And if so, 
what kind of changes would you like to see happen um, in order for the um, the ESL product to become more viable and more uh, more of an attractive proposition to fans? Well, first of all, I do I do see that it has a future because it has many many good aspects in my opinion. For example, the one that they're getting better referees, they're getting better better like in instruments to show the game and all that. But you have to add the sporting merit. I think if you include most of the leagues, like they can have a spot there every year. That's going to be a very good initiative. But you have to get through UEFA and FIFA again. So that's the biggest, like I think, barrier for this to happen. But let's see if it happens one day because still football has to be changed. That's that's the all that's the honesty. We can't continue like this. Teams are getting, you know, the costs are rising and the revenue is lowering. So then you have to ask yourself, Arsenal or a self-sustaining team, for example, what happens when the money is scarce? We're not gonna be able to sign anyone. However, teams like City, teams like Chelsea, they don't have a problem. That's that's why they were the first ones to leave. If they're, if they're part or if they're not part, it doesn't really matter because they're still going to have the money there and FIFA's not going to do anything about it. So let's see what happens. But I think it does have some some type of future. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's inevitable. Um, you know, obviously there's all those quotes from Arzavenga from 10 years ago. Where it's been, you know, <laughs> it's been rinsed to death right now, you know, as uh these are the Wenger quotes of like the, the Super League is essentially inevitable. I think it is inevitable. It will come in in some way, shape or form somewhere down the line. Um, Dan, same question to you, I guess. What what kind of changes can be made to make this product more appealing to fans? And how, like Eduardo said, how do they get it past UEFA? How do, how do we relinquish... UEFA's control how do we get them out of here because you know they need to be dusted as well to be fair you know what I think I think they, they were close you know um I think that if they didn't have that close shop of uh, uh, the 15 teams and are always going to be in it every single year for the next 23 years or whatever it was that they they put in that proposal I I 100% think this would have gone through um because if if they said this is going to be a replacement for the Champions League, everyone is going to have to earn their place in it, but we are going to be in it for the first year or maybe the first two years or something like that, then from then on, every single club is going to be determined by your league position. I think it would have gone through. I don't think fans would have really been um, that against it. Um, if, if you said, right, well, the Leicesters and West Hams and whatnot from 2023 if you finish fourth or or you finish in the top six, you're going to be in the competition. I think it would have gone through. And I think that's, I think that's what they should have done personally, because if you look at it, um, this sort of watered down uh, version of the Super League that UEFA have put through, it's, it's kind of like that anyways, right? Where they said, if, if one of these legacy teams finishes outside of the, um, outside of the, 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 the top four, they get, they get a spot, um, in the Champions League, there's two legacy spots for the the top coefficient coefficient teams. I think there's uh, something to be said about how the coefficients are calculated and whatnot. But essentially, that means if you're big six in in um, in England and you don't um, qualify for the top four, you get in anyway based on your on your coefficient. So we're almost halfway there. Um, anyways, I think the the main issue now is 
these big teams don't want to play as many games. Um, I think that that competition goes up to 225 games or something like that, um, which is which which I think is 100 games more than the, the Champions League um, in its current uh, in its current format. So I think that will be an issue, especially when you start factoring in you know World Cups in Qatar in winter and all of these things, and it, it just being um, a bit a bit of a, a bit of a fact. I think what it will take. Um, to stop that would be again the players sort of saying we don't want to play this many games. Uh, the fans coming out again and saying um, we don't want we don't want this much football. But I, I can't really see fans um, fans doing that. So I think we're going to end up in a weird middle ground where there's going to be a couple a couple legacy legacy spots, maybe um, even four or five legacy spots. Um, but if you wait for our paying are paying the cash. Um, I think I read that they've got seven billion uh, from some some asset manager somewhere. If if the big clubs are seeing that, laying around eating off, seven billion, just laying around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if if the big clubs are eating off that, then you know I don't think we'll have too many complaints from them. Mm. To me, it just looked a lot like um, these owners. It was a bit like a get rich quick scheme. I understand that the Super League has been in the works for years, right? Like these ideas have been touted for years and I'm sure they've been having these discussions for donkeys, right? However, it just seemed to me they found the perfect moment, what they deemed to be the perfect moment and they were going to rush everything through. And the way they packaged it was so bad. They What did they do? Release a website announcement at 11 p.m., on the club's websites, no information whatsoever, just some bog standard quote about, you know, this is the game, this is the future of the game or whatever it was. I couldn't even bloody read the bloody thing. It was just, I was so disappointed at the club as well at the way they announced it. It had just no, um, no, no concern for the fans or anything like that. It was just sort of like, right, this is what we're doing. Tough, basically. Um, you're going along with it. And to me, it just looked like a get rich quick scheme, really and truly, you know, and Real Madrid were behind this. Florentino Perez knew he was under so much pressure. If you look at Madrid's debts, Barcelona's debts, it, they needed this Super League. And you could say, well, they've got what they wanted from UEFA now, so they'd probably be okay. But to me, it just looked like the Premier League clubs sort of went with the wind and um, <laughs> then kind of got, got cold feet when, when they realised the fans went up to it. But, um, Edouard, let's try and keep this Arsenal-centric now then. So we've spoken about the, the Super League. What are, what are your thoughts on how Arsenal Football Club have dealt with this situation in general? And what are your thoughts on... Um, do you think there'll be any backlash from the fans towards the ownership? Well, definitely. You're seeing now that a lot of people are uniting to go towards getting Kroenke out. There's a protest on Friday. Sadly, I can't attend, but if I were there, I would. And I think Arsenal, I would have accepted the invitation, to be honest, because if this goes through without you, you're, you're basically done. If it goes with you, you're going to have the backlash of everyone, but you're still going to be rich and you're going to be relatively, like, relevant so mm. if you stay behind and the others get 
three times as richer, you're you're done. So I understand that side of the situation, but I think it was a very, very coward move by not selling the manager, by not selling the players, by not selling the fans. Because I think if, they, if this would have been handled in a different way, if they would have said, oh, we're planning this, what do you think about it? And they would have released like a promotional video, like inciting the fans to like this new project. It would have been different. But it was all like, we don't care about you. We care about our pocket. And whatever happens, happens. And the fans were like, they did it. They couldn't do anything about it. So I think it's going to have some type of, hopefully, it has some type of backlash and cronky. But I think we should back the players. We should back the manager because we have a, a Europa League to win and a Champions League to get back to. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I agree. I think... Cronky's it just this just sums up Cronky's leadership as a whole right complete and utter lack of regard for the club the the fans the the sport that we actually play you know this isn't NBA this isn't NFL it's not uh baseball or ice hockey or whatever clubs he has got in his thing this is a completely different ball game and um excuse the pun but I just don't I I do wonder actually how um the Cronkies are gonna react to this news because to me this is part of this has always been part of the long-term plan for for um Cronky, right? It's he's already made a fantastic flip out of the club um in terms of uh his return on his investment is worth an awful lot more money than he bought it for. Um and if we had got into the Super League of our club value probably would have, I mean, I'm no financial expert, but I'm assuming probably at least maybe doubled, Dan, maybe am I going a bit too much on, on that? You know, it, it would have been a very, very sizable increase in um, club value. And now that hasn't happened and with no real clear pathway into um, where this ESL is going to end up, if it ever does happen, when it's going to happen, Dan, do you think this might be the end of the road for Kroenke's leadership? Or do you think he's going to hang on in there? I think um, there's definitely pressure now on on his ownership because I think it was always going to be, this was always going to be the end game for all of these American owners, I think, where they get into a position where they're essentially the, the future earnings of the club are, certified number one for if they wanted to keep it and and you know some somewhat like what the glazers have been doing with united where they get to siphon off cash um every single year and they get to use the the club's future earning as leverage for you know some of their other business dealings that they want to do that's one way or number two if you want to eventually sell it and and flip it as as you said if you have those um certified future revenues um you can you can uh get a, a much bigger asking price um than than if those revenues are not um are not certain so um i think now we're sort of in this middle ground where arsenal have been i guess uh underachieving and in, in their value i would say even though it's 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 going up i think their the increase in value is definitely slowed given the lack of success that we've seen on the pitch in the last sort of 10 years um, and the lack of progress we've made on the pitch in the last sort of ten years, so I would say that he's he's sort of in 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 a weird um, 
weird place right now because if you want to sell Arsenal as a as a proposition as a prospect, well, we're not necessarily moving in the right direction. Doesn't look like we're going to be winning trophies anytime soon. It doesn't look like you know we're going to be competing in the Champions League year on year on year on year. So either you you take take a step now and say, boom, I've I've done what I can with this club. I don't want to put any more money in. Um, and I'm going to sell it now, um, or you 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 pump money in to to like what some other owners have done, uh, Man City, uh, your Chelsea's, um, even the likes of Leicester, etc., to try and build that value to get yourselves into a place where top four is guaranteed every year, or there or thereabouts, or a trophy is guaranteed um, every year, there or thereabouts, and then and then. You 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 then um, can use it to leverage um, your other deals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because right now, I think the pressure is on him. So he, he either needs to spend money or he needs to sell up. Um, and if fans go through a summer where you know the last the past few years have been um, disappointing to say the least after Wenger's gone, um, and if fan, fans go through another summer where we finished mid table. Um, potentially don't qualify for the Champions League and then Kroenke on top of that decides not to get out the checkbook um, I think those uh, Kroenke out uh, protests will be a lot more regular and a lot um, more visceral and a lot louder so it'll be a very unpleasant um, place for him for him to be so yeah it's definitely uh, a situation to watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hold much hope out for him getting out his own checkbook. He might get the Arsenal checkbook out and write himself a check or, you know, <laughs> or something along those lines. Look, Eduardo, you're the voice of optimism here, right? Can you what what kind of um future do we have under Kroenke? Can you see can you see him being under so much pressure in the summer from fans that he's like, "Yeah, I've got to, you know, I've got to do something about this. I've got I've got to get us back at the top table. Let's well, go and spend some money." Well, if there's a time to try to fix things, it's now. There's not an, there's there's not gonna be another chance. The, I think this is the biggest crunky out movement I've seen in my lifetime, or since he he's taken over. So, I think it's either this is his end game. We he doesn't have another chance. If if he doesn't do anything, the fans are still gonna continue to try to hound him out, and hopefully he leaves. But if he doesn't. Honestly, we're his biggest possession, so it's not that easy to say, oh, I'm going to sell them because we create the most revenue, we have the biggest brand, and so it's going to be one to see, and hopefully, as I say, with my positiveness, that <laughs> hopefully he, he does something and we sign proper players and we get back to competing because it's, lo it's looking very hard. If you see the Premier League, it's made for three to four clubs to win the Premier League every year. There's nothing else. Chelsea... Man City and United overspent everybody else. Liverpool, Arsenal, and Tottenham, they're like, we, we're we're trying to stay relevant. The project that Liverpool put through wasn't because Henry put the money there. It was because they could sell, they sold Coutinho for 160 million. So we, we don't have any asset like that. And he's going to have to pump money in or he has to leave. There's no other chance, at least for us to be successful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree, man. I agree. I'm just deeply unhappy about the Cronkies ownership. I feel I, I, even with this ESL pros, prospect. I, I mean, I've I've, I've battered this topic to death, to be honest. But I, I, this would be the first time I've said it on the podcast, so I'll, I'll just give my thoughts on the, you know Cronkie and you know what 
what the ESL money, if we did get the ESL money, if we did join it, I still wouldn't have been confident. You know, I, I just feel like when you get that kind of money, it. you guys remember when Cronkies uh, f- uh, first came, I think he first came in, got majority ownership in 2011 or something like that, right? F- since 2006, I think, when Cronky first came in, Wenger basically guaranteed Cronky that Champions League money for how many years straight was it? About 17 years straight, something like that. Something ridiculous, right? It was basically being in the European Super League guaranteed anyway, right? We were getting that money guaranteed. And and that is why Wenger stayed. Now, I don't think it would be any different if we were in the ESL because I think he would have got his money, been very content and finishing fourth in the league. Not that it would matter where we finished in the league because you're already guaranteed 23 years in the bloody... Uh, Super League so it wouldn't matter where we finish in the league if you're not challenging for the league it doesn't really matter whether you finish second or fucking 11th really and truly Um, and I think he would just be very content yeah finish full for the league you know maybe get out of the group stage in the ESL every now and then I just don't have confidence in this owner and this ownership that he wants to take us to that elite level I haven't seen any evidence of it you know people can say he spent Money, yes, he spent money. Arsenal are a very, very rich football club. I could be the owner. I could spend money as Arsenal owner. He hasn't done anything himself. Not that I expect him to or anything like that. You know, he's well within his rights not to spend the money. But in crucial times where we've needed to get over that line, you know, one player here, one player there, complete the squad, you know, we, we, he's just he's just not turned up to the party he isn't he hasn't shown the backing that that we needed to get to that next level and that was my real concern with this whole ESL thing outside of all the malarkey of you know it being unfair and all of these things which I agree with you Eduardo I, I, I do believe it would have had a, a very adverse effect on the English product as well the Premier League and the domestic leagues as we see them um but yeah, I just don't think we would have gone anywhere. I think for 23 years, we would have just been a stagnant team, really and truly, finishing somewhere between fourth and sixth, not really doing much, uh, which is what we've basically done under the whole cronky duration, uh, under, his whole, uh, under his whole leadership, really and truly. Um, anyway, look, we've battered that to death. Let's talk a little bit about football um, because, you know, that's, you know, that's essentially why we all love um uh, well, I, I was going to say why we all love Arsenal, but it's definitely not because of the football. Um, we've got some games coming up that have found new importance now. Um, I found it very difficult to get motivated for the the Fulham game because it just seemed like it didn't really really mean much at the end of the, at, at the end of the game. When all the news of the ESL ESL came out, it's like, well, we're going to be in this elite competition anyway. Um, Eduardo, is the league done now? You, you have you have you put all your attention towards Europa League? Of course. I mean, through the league, you're not going to be able to get to the Champions League. Probably, you can hope for the Europa League, but that's not what we want. We need Euro- Champions League money. That's the thing. So, for me, look, we have no striker, no senior striker available this Friday against Everton. So we're going to have to play a kid. And it's totally fine for me. I don't mind much because we don't really have too much to play for. So I would save the the, the top players like for Thursday against 
Emery and Villarreal, which is the, the crucial game. And let's see if we get to the final. And if we get to the final, we have to win. We can't repeat Baku because that would be that would hmm. that would tear everyone apart. So I think the league's done. We have to put everything to this and try to win a European competition. We haven't yeah. done it in a lot of years. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Where where we've come up short actually in re, in in you know in our history is the, the lack of European. Um, Success to our name. Um, <clears throat> just it, just into where, when is the Everton game? Is that Saturday? Friday. Friday. Fri oh, it's on fri Friday night, is it? Friday night football, yeah. So, like you said, Eduardo, no, no, um, no senior striking option. Who would you go with for that game? Are you, are you in the Eddie and Ketia camp? Are you the Martinelli? Some people suggest in Balogun. Who? Where? What are we? What are we doing? I, I am a I'm a I'm a believer that Martinelli is a center forward, so I would play him there. I think he offers way more there. I think we saw him Fulham. He created two clear cut chances playing there for like 20 minutes. So the different staggering, I would put either Saka or Pepe through the left, and or either Saka or Pepe through the right. One goes in whatever side they choose, and probably Emil Smith Rowe in the middle, and that would form my front four. Yeah, Dan, what are you thinking? Yeah, exactly the same um, sentiments. I, like, I think we sort of made, it looks like we made a decision on Eddie and Ketia's future um, in terms of not signing. That means Eddie's going to start on Friday, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I feel like you know, we're the tail end of the season. Um, we know what Ketia is about. Uh, we don't really need to see any more of Eddie. Um, even though he might be um, higher up than Martinelli in that sort of striker seniority. Um, but I think, yeah, let's give Martinelli a go up top. Um, same uh, three behind striker that, that Eduardo suggested as well. Um, and I think let's, let's, let's see, let's see that. I think um, as well, I'd, I'd probably like to see Balogun on the bench um, as well as an option, because if he's signing a new, new deal i think um it, it's not been officially announced but i think there were some tweets today saying that um he's he's actually put the pen to paper um today so you know if he's part of our future let's let's see him let's get him in the prem squad let's get him some minutes i think he came on against fulham for the last two minutes let's see if he can get an extra half an hour um or if he's not going to start and, and and see see what he can do against the premier league opposition um yeah, I, I, I do think the league is over for us, but it would be nice to get some momentum, see some of these young players and see um, if we can sort of pull pull a little bit of a run together um, going into next season. Yeah, the Fulham game, was, it's just typified our season, right? It's just... We've had so many of these games where it's like, all right, uh, oh, if only we had beat Fulham. If only we had not lost, well, not drawn against Burnley. If only we had beaten Crystal Palace at home. If only we had, uh, who else have we lost? Haven't we only won six games at home this season? That's ridiculous. Six games. Six games. And I think we played about 15. Absolutely ridiculous. And that Fulham game just typified our season i think you know it's we 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 are far away but at the same time it's you, you look at games like that and you're like well we're not that 
we're not that far away because you can point to so many of these games across the season where we should be doing so much better, but we're not. But I guess that goes to show just the type of team we are, the quality team we are right now. And um, we need we need serious improvements going forward. Let's talk about um, Europa League because I, I do agree with you guys. Look, um, we absolutely need to win this competition. Otherwise, um, we're in big trouble until they announce this, until they bring this new UEFA competition in and we might be able to sneak in through the back door. But even then, if we ain't in the Europa League next season... Our coefficients get damaged, don't they? So, do we get invited to this Champions League um, thing? If, if um, you know what, we might have to do. We might have to go in this Europa Conference team, stat pad a few coefficient points, just to just to sneak into this Champions League thing, aren't we? Because we can't have Leicester overtaking us in the coefficients and stuff like that, can we? Yeah, so, I mean, if, Leicester, if Leicester qualify for the next three Champions Leagues um, and we're not in Europe, our coefficients getting a bit a bit gazy, you know. Exactly. A bit techy by 2024. Yeah, so I think I I know I know nobody wants to be in in European competition next season if it ain't the Champions League. But listen, if we want to be part of that big pot of money that UEFA are gonna um, uh, you know be handing out, we've got to start performing in Europe. Um, so you know we either win Europa League or we try and force. Uh, yeah, I will I will show this uh, comment then. Yeah, excellent interior <laughs> designer, right? <laughs> such, a, such a troll, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> cream, cream sofas on white, uh, white wallpaper, yeah? Mm, I, lo- I love yeah. the concept. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. I love the concept. Yeah, no, I've been, I've been, doing, I've been doing up my kitchen in it uh, yeah. on Instagram, so uh, I'm, I'm like covered in paint. So Sasha's commenting on my... Um, I was going to actually tell you, maybe you should rub the cream in on your uh, arms, but no, that's it. <laughs> no, it's paint. It's paint, I'm afraid. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Um, look, let's talk a little bit about this Europa League tie then against Villarreal. Eduardo, what's your thoughts on um, on how that tie is going to go and this, you know, this... Uh, well, they're calling it the uh, um, the the Emery Derby or whatever you want to call it. How how, how are you feeling going into this game? Do you, have you watched much of Villarreal? I have, I have, and they're a strong team. They're a strong team, but they're pretty. They're not. They're not consistent. So we're, we're a bit like see, us then. Yeah, they're a bit like us, but of course we have the quality over them, and I think we should expect our club to go through against Villarreal because they're not such a great side. They have a player that we should be scared of, which is Gerard Moreno. He's been unreal this season, but apart from that, they have Pau Torres at the back, and 
Chukwese from from Villarreal. I don't know if my Nigerian friends know him from the national <laughs> team. So they they're, they can bite us, but we should be getting ahead of them easily. Yeah, uh, you think easily? I'm, I, can't, I, can't, I don't know. I don't know. Look, the thing the thing about Arsenal is which Arsenal shows up. Mm. If we show like the Arsenal that face Slavia Prague on Czech Republic, we can easily go past them. If we show up like the one we did at the Emirates, we're gonna suffer. Mm, mm, mm. Dan, what's your thoughts on uh, this Villarreal game, man? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not scared of them. You know, I, I know people say um, people say um, stuff about yeah, they got some good players, this, that, and the other. But I said this about Benfica, and then when you saw Benfica on the pitch. You, you could see that we were um, a lot better than them. You know, I think our player quality should should be telling here. And, you know, we, we've been an Unai Emery side. We've seen Unai Emery's management up close. They like to give teams chances, you know. Um, I think that's been the case uh, f- throughout Villarreal's league season. There's been a lot of draws, as we know, um, uh, happens under Emery because they, they give teams chances to get into the game. So I think... Um, they said on the Arsenal website today, Abamyang's going to be back in light training um, this week. So hopefully he's fit for Thursday's game. I think Lacazette's probably still going to be out. So if Abamyang's there, we're creating chances. I, I, I back us to go through, man. I think going out to Villarreal would be incredibly disappointing. Incredibly, incredibly disappointing. Mm. Well, Eduardo, what I want to do now is I want us to take a leaf out of your positivity book right we're gonna let's say we're gonna win europa league right we're gonna we're gonna win europa league we're gonna beat villarreal in the semi-final and we're gonna we're gonna beat man united in the final right cool Ooh, that, that means be... we're in the champions league next season you guys both you guys all on board with that yeah we're all on board right good sounds good right um now eduardo what do we need to do in the summer to get this club back to the the top table what do we need Oh, we need we need heavy investment. As you can see, there's a there's a very small difference between a, a good team and a great team. For for example, Arsenal, they can show up any day and be great, but then they have games like Fulham and they're they're not consistent, and that's why we fall out of the top four and things like that. And for that you need players of quality. You can't be starting players like El Neni. Come on, man. We are Arsenal Football Club. As as all respect to Mohamed El Neni, of course, but we are don't, don't worry about respect for him, man. Don't worry about respect for him. It's okay. It's okay. Look, for me, Callum Chambers at right back, for me, that's not a top four quality mm. right back. Holding is not a top four quality center back. And there are many positions in which we have to take care of. Bellerin's not a top four quality. He's not a top four quality right back either. He has to go, in my opinion. That's one of the players that I think has to go because he offers very, very, very little in the game so mm-hmm. we have to take sentiment aside many people say no Hector he's a captain he's been here for us when we were through the bad times we have to be critical here we have to change and we have to get to where we want to go with sentiment it's not going to be there so for me we need a world-class left winger that's the first we need a, a top quality right back because they're very scarce you can't say you want a world-class right back because they're not in the market and you need more depth in midfield because we have Elneny and Ceballos, which Ceballos has to go back for me and we, we can't do a deal for him. How dare you, Eduardo? For me, 
we have to add depth, we have to add quality, and someone to challenge Partey and Shaka because at the moment, if we, you don't play either of them, we suffer a lot. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. Let's let's go through them positions one by one then, because I'm keen to know who you've got your eye on. Because I know you got your ear to the streets, I know you got your eye to the streets as well. I want to know who your targets are for each of these positions. So, right, you said the first priority is left wing, and I agree with you. I, I some people say we need a striker. I don't think we need a striker. I think we've got a, a sometimes world class striker in Aubameyang, and we just need to play him up front. We've also got Martinelli, Balogun, and um, well, not Lacazette, but you know, we've got we've got that position sorted, right? What we need to do is start making chances for these players, right? Now, left wing, who are we going for? I think if you're ambitious, there's only one name you can think of that we can actually get out of a smaller club, which is Jack Grealish. Oof. I would I would be hectic if he comes because he, he would change the whole dynamic of the club. In my opinion, he would be the best player in the team. So mm -hmm. I think if Aston Villa don't make Europe, which is looking likely now, we have a chance that we make the Champions League because we're going to have the money to spend. Uh, of course, we all suppose we have the money, so we have to be hopeful. And I, I want Greenish, man. I, I don't want anybody else if we make the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Well, man's, man's, man's come out with the big 4-4, four, four, no safety. You know? Yeah, said, listen. Grealish. I'm, I'm all for Jack Grealish. I think a, a Grealish, Saka, ESR... Erdegaard link up, you know, provided we do keep Erdegaard as well. I mean, that would be super, super spicy, right? Like that is, that's the kind of quality in your front line that you're looking for. You know, there's no excuses not to score goals with, with those, with those players, right? So, um, Dan, have you, you know, uh, Eduardo's kind of stuck his neck on the line and said, Grealish or bust. That's it. Yeah, you don't want anyone else. For me, for me, he's been one of the best players in the Premier League this season. Hundred percent. He's been he's been out for two months or a, a bit more now, and he he has like seven chances less than Bruno Fernandez created, and he's mm -hmm. the second one with mm -hmm. two less months playing for Aston Villa. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, with Ollie Watkins up front, his expected assists are unreal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Um, Dan, um, any alternatives to Grealish? I mean, look, we would all we would all love Grealish. I'm not even gonna, I'm not going to disagree with Eduardo here at all. Uh, any um, any maybe viable alternatives, just in case, you know, um, it's, it's probably going to cost quite a bit to get Grealish out of Aston Villa, right? Yeah, I think I think in terms of the top top draw um, left wingers that we might want um, in terms of like the right footers as well, I think. Very at the very very top of the list, you got you got the likes of Grealish, you got the likes of Jaden Sancho, potentially um, as well. But I think in terms of you know may, maybe more realistic targets, I think one of the comments here um, from uh, Mohamed Maki, I think Pedro Neto um, would be um, a really good shout as well. Um, I know we have a lot of left footers in the team already so maybe that one might be um a little bit awkward to fit in um but he's had a great season he's got he's a, he's a great age um and i think he's got um bags and bags of um of quality and then he's got a major I think, injury though right Sadly, he's yeah, ACL. Mm. yeah so he's out he's out for the next six months so um i guess that one's probably unlikely 
as well. And then I think if you look to other leagues, there's a um, Musa Diaby is a guy that I really like um, at Lever Leverkusen. I think he's for me. I, th I think he's quite raw, but he is he is 20 years old as well. And I think um, um, he, he is he's quite raw. And I think he he probably is ready to explode. I think he reminds me a lot of um, Mane. I know they they say that a lot about. Um, about uh, uh, young players, but I think he's so explosive and he shoots off both feet really, really well, and he he, cre he creates chances. So um, as a player, I like. And then um, the other guy is the that Belgian um, Je Jeremy Doku, I think, or Jeff Jeffrey Doku, something like that. Um, he 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 looks a quality player as well. Or, uh, another one who I think is is Mane like in the way that he plays. I think he'd be um, a good sign in as well, good age and and, and good profile. Mm. Okay. And if I can add another name, I think Harvey Barnes has been impressive this mm. season. Very, very good. Very I'm good. I him... like a big L on Harvey Barnes. Mm. Yeah. Me too. I, I I think he couldn't finish for his life, and now he's proved me wrong. Yeah. No, he's a he's a very very good player, and and probably goes a bit under the radar for some reason. You know, which mm. is. You know, maybe because he is at Leicester, and but normally a player like that, you know, who's had a season like he has had. Would have been a lot more in the in the media, being hyped up a lot. But maybe it's because we've got so many players in, um, you know, England have so many of these kind of players that are, you know, performing well at the moment. He's he's maybe, um, uh, you know, not getting the the praise that he should do. Um, obviously, one name I did mention today, Arsenal Press has just said this here: Target Grealish, Reality Draxler. I did see the Draxler links today. Um, me, not for me. Not for me. I would be very disappointed in a Julian Draxler. Um, good, good player. Not for me. I think we need some something a lot more. Personally, what what do you guys think? Completely agree. I can't. I can't agree more. For me, Draxler has been linked to Arsenal since he was born. Um, <laughs> look, I think it's the same. It's the same type of signing as William. Mm. he's going to contribute something from the bench, but he's not going to change anything from what's happening in the field. And if he's going to be the game changer we need, of course not. So for mm -hmm. me, we can't keep on giving wages to people like this. And mm -hmm. it's that simple. Dan? Mm. I, I would take Draxler um, as uh, as a squad player, I think, like if you, as not as the marquee signing, if that makes sense, right? So if you, if you went out and you got... Um, a Grealish, and then you were like, well, Draxler is there on a free, and, and you can bring him in after you've done your main business, and you're trying to fill out the squad and get rid of the likes of, you know, your El Nenny's and, and co, and, and, and sort of flesh out your squad with quality, then yeah, 100% I'd bring um, Draxler in. But I think right now we need 100% game changers, right? We need to get a very, very, very strong first eleven, and then worry about, you know, the, the backups afterwards. Because I think what Liverpool have shown is that you, you don't need a squad to compete with the Man Cities. You need a very good first eleven and hope that they stay fit for most of the season so that, you know, if one of them gets injured, you still have 10 very good players and then one so-so player to come in and, and, and the, the team can probably cope. So if we can focus on getting a very, very strong first eleven filled with, you know, eight or nine world-class players, then boom, you're, you're in business, you know? So for me, that's what I'd like to see. What we can change from Liverpool's team is that we actually have very talented youngsters and they didn't. So I think from the bench, I think, look, ESR shouldn't be starting. Of course, his level is amazing and we all love him. 
But a kid, a kid that's 20 years old, he doesn't have to have this type of responsibility. And yeah. we've given it to him because we don't have the quality. We're very so, reliant on ESR, aren't we? Yeah. So look, if we get a, a Grealish type, then you can put ESR in the other games and we can start building a good squad. Yeah, I agree. Um, some honorable mentions here from some of the listeners. We've got uh, Rick 1G says, uh, Mikhail Oyarzabal. Oyarzabal. All right. yeah, he's a very good player. You do the pronunciation, Eduardo. You got it on Smash. Um, and Mo Shiro, he, say, he says, Nkunku. Um, Nkunku. Good player. But... He's a good player, but for me, he's not a game changer. So, mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't spend 40 million pounds on Nkunku because I don't think he would provide us with what we need. He would mm-hmm. probably be creative and add his little bit of that. But we need a player that will change for change your team. Game. Yeah, yeah. Not 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 keep us where we are. We need someone that's going to elevate exactly. us. Exactly. Okay, so cool. Make us from you a got... top six, from a top six challenger to a top four challenger. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. There's a big gap there. There is. Um, you another position you mentioned was right back. I think me and Dan are both in agreement with you. Hector Bellerin is not good enough. Callum Chambers, although an interesting player, I always find it funny when people say, oh, he's an interesting player because it's not it's not really like a compliment and it's not like a uh, it's not a criticism either. It's like it's, it's that kind of in the middle kind of thing. he is an interesting player. You know, he's he's one of those players. If he was a bit more athletic, we'd be like, wow, I mean, this this guy is really something. We've got a player on our hands here because he's very good technically. And, you know, um, Going forwards, you don't expect him to be as good as he is. Um, and he's obviously a decent defender. Um, you, you don't want him hanging out in in wide areas with with your Zahas and stuff for too long, do you? But um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a decent option there. So I wouldn't mind him as like a, a backup right back. But you're absolutely right. We need a right back. Eduardo, go on. Tell us who we need. For me, Callum Chambers is perfect as a squad player. Yeah. If you need someone to have a backup for, for DM, because he was playing DM for Fulham in a very high level. If you need a backup for center back, when someone gets injured, you have Callum Chambers. If you need a right back, yeah. who's going to cover? Yeah, Very Callum good Chambers. utility player. Yeah. You, so for me, if you had, if they made me choose between Holding and Chambers, I would choose Chambers. So Of course. That's the thing. Of course. So, who are you? Who have you got your eyes on as um, the right back option? Obviously, we've been linked with guys like Hakimi, uh, Tarek Lamptey. Um, who who have you got your eyes set on? I mean, for me, it's a bit unrealistic to say Hakimi because he's only been there one year, and who guarantees us if we get a Grealish type of player or a Sancho that we're going to have the money to spend on someone like that? So. Mm-hmm. We have to be realistic. And for me, there's only one option as well. So for me, it's Emerson from Betis, mm-hmm. part owned by Barcelona. But he, he, he's he been brilliant this season. He's he's tall. He's fast. He's powerful. He has a good cross in him. For me, 23 years old. He was linked to us when he was at, at Atletico Mineiro a few years back. And I think it's the right time to sign him now, in my opinion. I've, I've, had, um, I've had a look at him on YouTube and he looks... He looks very good. Um, he's like you said, he's very powerful, um, and you know he's he's a bit of a, 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 a machine getting down that right hand side. Looks very technically secure. Um, you know, looks like he could play that inside position that Arteta would like him to play. You know, it, you know, in the uh, in midfield. Um, 
he looks like an interesting prospect. What, what kind of fee would we be looking at for someone like Emerson? 18, 20 million pound. Mm. That's not bad. For me, for me, that's a decent fee because you're going to get the same for Bellerin and you're actually upgrading with the same money. Agreed, agreed. Dan, thoughts on the right back position? Yeah, I like I like Emerson Royal a lot, man. Um, I think he he one hundred percent fits the fits the profile. Um, I think he's he's basically like Callum Chambers, but with with some PMP, you know, some pace and power. So um, so I'm I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Um, I like the look of this IX guy as well, Mas Masrawi. Hmm. Um, he's probably like the closest thing to Hakimi on the market. I think they're they're both um, North African as well. So I don't want to but he looks like a very, very, very technical um, attacking right back. I'm not sure about him defensively in the Prem because he is a little bit um, on, on on sort of the thinner side. I don't think he is um, as strong or as powerful as someone like um, Emerson Rowe, but he's got tech for days. Like He is proper, proper teched out um, right back like most of these um, North African ballers are. So I, I like the look of him, and I think you can probably get him out of um, Ajax for a reasonable price as well. Mm. Interesting. I haven't actually seen him, but um, I, I have seen a lot of people recommend him as um, as an option. And these are all quite young options as well, aren't they? They're all they're all like early twenties. Yeah, I think that the the right back market's pretty limited, so you're gonna have a few options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agreed. Um, you also mentioned um, centre mid, which to me again is very important. It's very difficult to distinguish these priorities as you know, first, second and third. Uh, to me, they're all really, really important because I don't want to see another season of Xhaka in midfield. Like, Eduardo, I know you've kind of got a soft spot for Xhaka. I yeah, don't. Am I being I unfair? I don't. I don't. Okay, you don't, for you me, don't have, all right, you don't. You through, don't. The years, through the years, Xhaka has been one of the players that I've disliked the most. Fair enough. I, I have to give him that he's been better this mm-hmm. last couple of months and he, he's shown up, he's proven that he's way better than Ceballos, for example, and that Ooh. he... You think Ceballos is better? Yeah. Lewis, yeah, Lewis, is a, Lewis is a Ceballos stand. Uh, oh, my God. Go. I'm, not, I'm sorry. Then. No, for me, for me, for me, Shaka, for me, Shaka has some good aspects, which is he knows, he, he's, he's, he, has, he provides stability to the midfield. He's a good passer of the ball, but he's not a top four CM. In my opinion, he doesn't have the pace. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have some key aspects that you have to have. So mm-hmm. for me, he should be a third option. And we should look for a, for a player that challenges both Parte and Shaka. And I think there are many in the market that you can look into. Who, 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 who have you got your eyes on then? I mean, he, I have two options that are pretty young, but I think they could easily slot in this midfield right now. Which, first of all, is... Eduardo Camavinga, who has a year left on his contract. So as from Rennes to Arsenal, it's a step up. And looking at Madrid, they're not gonna they're not gonna target him because they want Mbappe. So I think he he would be a nice option. Aurelia and Chuameni as well from Monaco, 18, but he's been insanely good this season. And who else can you say? Bubakari Sumare from Lille, our our friends forever now um, <laughs> yeah they they need to still they need to give us some more discounted players mate because yeah. we, we've been we've been done over and there's a name that many people think it's very controversial but i think he's improved massively which is renato sanchez mm. he's unreal this year and i think for a decent fee 
we can get him here and he's very dynamic. He can offer you going forward, going back, everything you need. Any concerns over Renato's kind of like failed time in England? No, not at all. For me, he was 19 at the time. Come on, you mm. can't really hold them into him. And sadly, he took a bad decision in joining Bayern because he didn't have any regularity. He didn't have any trust. And then you send them to to England, which is a country with its culture. And they, they, they were going to expect a star boy that was going to set the prem alight. But Swansea had a, had a very, very regular team, if you could say it that way. So... He, he's grown, he's getting better, he's only 23, so I, I don't think you can hold that grudge into him. Mm. I have always liked Renato Sanchez. I like the idea of him. Like you said, he's very dynamic. He's, he's clearly a very talented footballer. I just wonder, the rigours of the Premier League, it requires a very specific kind of um, like robust midfielder, I, I think. Um, like, like you guys have said, look, Sabayos, Fulis, as much as I like Sabayos, I know the Premier League is probably not the right league for him, right? Um, and I just, I'm, I, I don't know if Renato Sanchez is the right profile. He's, I don't know, he's the right profile in terms of what you would want as a midfielder. I just don't know how well that translates into the Premier League. Is it's a basically risk. What it is a risk, a yeah. Risk. It but I think, I think it's a risk that you should be willing to take. And he wouldn't. He probably wouldn't cost that much, would he? No, no, no. Leo sell players for cheap, and apart the situation at League One is very, very bad right now with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. They sell, sell players for cheap unless they're, they're Nicholas Pepe, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Eduardo. I think the French market right now, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of talent in in there, and they're in in the mud financially um as well so i feel like renato sanchez bubakar samari who i think has one year left on his deal as well so there's like the added um bit there i think even returning back for for our i don't know um whether or not that deals off the cards or off the table but if we're in the champions league Go go splash the cash on him as well man you know so um parte awar in, in midfield yeah yeah, Partey, Awa, Odegaard, Grealish on the left. Come on, man. Why not, man? Why not? That's not far-fetched, in my opinion. I like how Partey anchors the midfield but being alone. When Shaka played left back, I think Partey's level has gone up when we play 4-3-3. That I game when we, put, when we put Odegaard at the right side and ESR at the other side, we looked very good. Mm-hmm. The, the game was flowing, and I think that could be a good option. Now, as an eight, then you have... Odegaard to the other eight, and then you have British at left wing. Uh, that could be a very, very city esque light note. Bring back the yes, ESL. We need to get back in the ESL. <laughs> this <laughs> For real, man. But, yeah, but that yeah, is I definitely think... a drip or drown midfield. So, what you That's saying? a good That's... name. That's a good name, Sanderberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah San- Sanderberg, I like him as a player, you know. I think that adds, that definitely adds a lot of steel to your midfield. He's a, he's a unit. Um, and despite being a unit, I think he's actually very, very mobile. Um, yes, for his size. Yes. Like when I've been watching him for Sheffield United, I'm surprised at how quickly he's able to get up and down the pitch. Um, and I think he he provides um, 
something in the final third that I think Partey doesn't quite have um, in his game. I think Partey's very good in, in the defensive third, in the final third. Um, I would like a midfielder that adds a little bit extra. I think Sanderberg um, fills that, fulfills that role quite a bit. I, I, I do think Sheffield United are already relegated as well. So I think you can get him for a reasonable price. Um, yeah. So, so he's, I, he's, I, I, I wouldn't mind standing in the middle. He's best friends with Olegar as well. So that, that would be nice if he comes. So, But the thing about Berg that stands out to me is that he was bought as a as an eight, as a six, which is to anchor the midfield, Partey type. But then he proved that he could do much more because mm. he plays like a like a box-to-box. And the way he, he drives to the right side, it's pretty interesting to me. I've never seen a six-foot-five guy do that. So I think he has some interesting tools for the package he is. I, I, I'm just going to be name-phobic right now. Um, I can't say I've ever... I've, I think I watched Sanderberg once against Man United, and I thought, who the fuck is this? He looks pretty good. But I've, I haven't actually watched him again since. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm probably being name-phobic, if that's even a thing, right? I, I just don't like the name, and I'm just... <laughs> I, I, I like all these other names, you know, all these other names that have been said. They, they sound good. And, you know, and they are good. And I'm sure Sanderberg is a decent player, but he just doesn't, he isn't filling me with confidence. You know, if we sign Sanderberg tomorrow, I'd just be like, oh. oh okay. okay. He doesn't pass, doesn't pass the name test, yeah? Doesn't, doesn't pass, pass the name, name test for me. Doesn't pass <laughs> the name <laughs> test for me. But, you know, football is bigger than names, right? It's bigger than names. Um, so, set, look, there are lots of options in centre midfield. Um, you know, you, you guys have gone through quite a comprehensive list of um of players, there's other some other notable mentions here. Um, a couple Bissouma. of people flew in the idea of Anguissa, um, Bissouma. Bissouma, who you know, these are but these, these are prem someone like Basuma. I think he's gonna cost a lot of money. Um, Anguissa, yeah, maybe not, you know, because obviously Fulham are likely gonna go down, but we've also got to remember he cost Fulham 27 million pounds. You know, that's, you know, he's a, he's a very expensive acquisition from um, Marseille, I think it was. Um, so I'm not too sure about those players. I think it, it, although you get that added benefit from shopping in the Premier League, you know, these players can play in the Premier League and, and, and the qualities that they bring and they can adapt. You're playing that premium on top, which we could really do without paying this summer. I think we, I think we, we probably need to shop in other markets. For me, the French market gives you a way better value for money than the English market at this moment in time because the talents are in France right now. The, the CMs are all there. Yeah, I agree. Um, a debate that me and Dan were having the other day was about centre-forward. And um, I, I don't know where you... I guess it's best to you know, um, start with where you stand on Lacazette. Obviously, <coughs> sorry, Lacazette has a year left in his contract coming into this summer. Um, do you re-sign? Do you let him go? What, what What do you do? When does the market open? June 30th? Yeah. June 30th? Sell him. If we want to go forward, we can't we can give, give a new contract to, like I said, because throughout the years, he's proved that he cannot lead a top four club. And look, if you have Obama Yang up front, what are you going to do with, like I said? Mm. Can have him in the bench. You have the option of Balogun. You have the option of Martinelli, who are better going forward. And like I said, it's thirty, man. Come on, we can't keep. We're not a retirement home, as they said. So hmm. I think we have to sell. And then for me, center forward is not a need 
because we have the players there. And of course, we're not going to sell Obama Yang. He's the captain. After all they did with, oh, he's the new captain. He resigned and things like that. We're not going to sell him. So we're going to have to stick with him until he runs out of gas. And then we're going to have to see if Martinelli is ready to step up or Balogun. And then it's going to be, a, for me, it's not as crucial as they make it seem. Interesting. So me and Dan had a debate the other day about, um, you know, how... So if we do let Lacazette go, um, and then we go into the new season with a um, Aubameyang up front, and then Martinelli and Balogun as his um, backups, um, is that something that you would do? Or would you look to buy maybe someone a bit senior and push what like maybe Balogun out on loan no I would I would keep Obama Yang and I would keep Martinelli and Balogun because I think they have very very good like intangibles for being a striker they have the movement they have the power so I think our priorities right now are so many that we can't take the luxury of signing a center forward because we want to sign a center forward First, you have to see the left wing, then you have to see the right back, then an option for midfield. And then if you have a lot of money, you, you can go sign a center forward if you want, but not now. Because we know Arsenal are not a rich club like City that can. So we have to have our priorities very, very, very set. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, Dan, any, any further thoughts on the strike situation? Because I know you did bring up the fact that you would like our left wing option being able to play as a centre forward, um, any any further developments on that train of thought? No, I think I think I think I, I, I'm sticking with that. To be honest, I think um, when you are looking at a left wing option, um, you want them to to be able to play more positions than than just left wing. Um, I think I personally wouldn't mind Aubameyang, uh, Martinelli, Balogun being your your strike options. Um, if you want to send Balogun out on loan, I think having a system in place that Tottenham sort of have with Son, that where Kane gets injured, Son um, or Mora are the ones that that play up top. Um, I think is 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 a good is a good place to be um, as well. Uh, so I think when, when when we're looking at this left wing option, yeah, have him let them be a bit versatile so that maybe they can play with a Bamiang, maybe they can play instead of a Bamiang um as as well and i think i think you're in a good place squad building wise and and tactically as well so um yeah that's, that's my thoughts mm, mm, interesting um f final thing eduardo um i just want to get your thoughts on our coach um where, where are you sitting right now with arteta and let's let's sit uh, let's 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 go back to obviously say, say we don't win Europa League. We've done the whole fun bit of we won Europa League and we signed all these players. We get in the Champions League. La, 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 la. If we don't win Europa League this season, do are you happy to stick by Arteta for next season? I wouldn't be happy, but however, I think we have to apply some context here. So I think if we get battered like Emery got battered in Baku, he has to go. But if we lose by like a dodgy penalty or something like that, it's going to be a different story. And going ahead for next season, you have to see what the club do because if they don't provide the tools, because let's be honest, getting him parte at the last minute of the transfer window, nothing else. For me, that's, that's not enough because he's a rookie manager, we all know. But if he doesn't have the tools to succeed, it's going to be very difficult for him. 
a job that Emery, a very seasoned manager, couldn't do. So I think if we don't win the Europa League and we start having a bad run in the beginning of next season, they have to sack him. But I don't mm. think we can start changing manager time after time because it's going to lead to a new project. Then you're going to have be one, two years into the project, and then he's going to have a run of bad games, and everybody's going to want him out. And I think it doesn't work like that. And I think Arteta has proven he can win the big game. So we're going to see. Look, if he wins the Europa League against United, nobody's going to have a doubt that he has to stay. Mm. Dan, any doubts that he has to stay? Um, no, if he gets if he gets in the Champions League, he can he can stay. That's that's fine because I think that's the that's the objective we had from the start of the season. But then I think league performance next year has to be much improved, as Eduardo said. You know, if we're still in tenth, um, you know, by by December or something next year, then I mean, really and truly, you have to seriously question whether or not the guy is really the guy to take you forward because yes, fine. Um, you know, uh, getting back in the Champions League via uh, the Europa League is, is a good achievement, but the league performance really is the bread and butter of every club and that's how you measure success. Um, so if next season, um, well, let me say this, if we don't win the Europa League and, and we finish, you know, ninth or 10th, we're not in Europe next year, I personally think he should go. Um, I don't think that would be a good uh, return um, on 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 on. I guess the the players that we had. There's no reason for us, um, I think, to to not be in and around that top four race, especially when you see how this season has gone. Um, not having a ten and not having, uh, you know. Um, Smithrow or Odegaard for the first half of the season. If they say he is the manager that they that they that that they think he is, you know, they, they're saying he's an expert uh, tactically. He's an expert um, uh, tactician and expert manager. He's going to be one of the best managers in the world. Not having a ten should not mean that you you then need to be fifteenth um, in the league. You'd expect someone. Who is as as good and smart and is you know well versed in sport to find better solutions than the ones that he tried? So I feel like if this season we we're not back in in we don't win the Europe. Let me not be harsh. If we don't make the final, um, because anything can happen in the final. But if we don't make the final, I think he has to walk um, and he has to he has to be sacked if Arsenal were were serious. Um, and then and then we go again next year. And then next year we need to see much much. Uh, much improved performance um, in the league. Um, otherwise, he should go. Interesting, uh, Ed- Eduardo. Any any finishing thoughts on on that topic before we wrap things up? Um, I don't have much. I think people go by sentiment sometimes, and they want Arteta in because they have some type of attachment, and some people want him out because they have some type of agenda. I think you have to be critical. You have to look at the context, and if it and whatever happens in these next three games in the in the Europa League, for me, defines everything. The future of the club and the future of Arteta. Interesting. It is it is going to be look massive. You know, if like you guys said, if, if he does win the Europa League by hook or by crook, he has achieved his seasonal objective to get into the Champions League, right? I think if, if you had said at the start of the season, Arsenal would be in the Champions League next season, you'd have said Arteta has done a fantastic job. 
obviously the season has been less than fantastic. I think that's, you know, putting it mildly, obviously. Um, but, you know, if he does make the Champions League, I'm still not convinced at all. Um, you know, we're just getting so many bad results. Maybe it's a quality issue, but I do think there's something not quite right still um, with, with this coaching setup, with, you know, with how Arteta approaches certain games and, you know, our ability to chase games down as well. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced, um, but we will see. Let's hope we can do the business um, against Villarreal in the semi-final. Um, and I, I kind of hoping Man United get knocked out, to be honest. even though we've got a good... Um, record against Man United. I don't, I don't want to play Man United in the final. I think that's going to yeah. be... And it, and it would hurt twice as more if we lose against United. Exactly, exactly. I, I would feel sick if we played, lost to Man United in the final. The, that whole game... Imagine, oh. ima- imagine we lose with a dodgy penalty in the 90s. Oh, oh a Bruno oh, Fernandes penalty. Oh, yeah, God. Like that. Oh, shit. <laughs> on, the, on the flip side, though, if we were to beat them in Europa League final, that would be fantastic. No, that would, that be would be gigantic you know, for us. It, it it would it would they would play it off like oh it don't matter it's the only Europa League. We're but already they, in the Champions League. Yeah, they would they would be burning inside because they would hate to yeah. lose any final to us. Anyway, Eduardo, I just want to thank you again for coming on. Um, where thank can people find you that are listening to our podcast? Um, where where can people find you and all the work that you do? My Twitter handle, my name, Eduardo Hagen. So thank you for having me, first of all. And it's been a true pleasure to speaking with both of you. And let's see if we can do it again sometime. Absolutely. You're welcome anytime. Um, Like I said, um, it's been a pleasure having you too. Um, uh, Dan, thanks for joining us as well. Uh, We'll be back with some of uh, Tachi Guna's content. Um, I don't know, maybe after the Everton game, we'll do a post-match or something. And then maybe like a preview to the Villarreal game. Anyway, you're going to get plenty of Tachi Gunas content from us. Subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, The link is in the bio if you do want all that extra juicy stuff. Um, And we'll be back uh, next week with uh, another podcast. Take it easy, guys. Take it easy. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Baby, welcome to the party. I'm off the Myers in the lean. That's why I'm over retarded. That's why I'm over retarded. Baby, welcome to the party. Huh? I hit the boy up and then I go skating around it. Baby, welcome to the party. Pick some of that. Give me lit. Got on my One in the head. Podcast Network.